Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up-to-date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready, because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. It's June 24th, which means two things. Number one, it's officially summer, so congratulations, you made it. And two, we're now officially one month into our positional preview series, Countdown to Camp. I'm Roswell DeWitt, and I'm super excited that you're here joining us today for another positional preview. Last week, we broke down the Bears linebackers. So this week, of course, we go back to the Bears offense, and we're dedicating our focus this week to the Bears wide receivers. To help me break down this unit, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Nicholas Moriano and Mason West. Nick, I know you've been out of school now for about a week and a half since grad school ended, but it doesn't feel like it, huh? No, it doesn't. So now it's just the process of me making a resume reel. So getting all my video stuff and all the portfolio for all the writing samples I've done and sending it out to every news station known to man and seeing what comes back. And yeah, so that's the process for me probably for the next week or so. And then we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I'm wishing you the best of luck. And, you know, any place that wants Nicholas Moriano, you can have him uh, as long as he can still do this podcast with us. Uh, there has to be a clause in your contract somewhere there, Nick, so make sure you keep that in your back pocket. Mason, first of all, how are you doing? And I'm curious, is there anything this summer that you're looking forward to doing? Uh, this summer, I actually just bought uh, some tickets to the Bills-Bears preseason game, so I'm excited to go to that game. I want to, you know, the Mitch Fields Bowl should be pretty cool. <laughs> uh, I'm really hoping that all of a sudden Mitch doesn't show out and you know, we're like, there's those little weird murmurs that are going to go around, but uh, so that should be really fun. And then uh, it's actually kind of a boring summer for me. I'm waiting up, uh, going to Disney in October, so kind of saving up for that. All right, Disney in October. I can't wait to see you repping Justin Fields there at Disney World Land. Which one? Oh, World uh, Land is a little too short for me, plus it's a long trip out to California. Fair point. Now, guys, before we get into the nitty gritty, I want to share an update on that free Bears jersey giveaway that we're doing. Uh, Over the last two episodes, I've mentioned once we reach 650 reviews on Apple Podcasts, that we would give away a free jersey of choice to one lucky and random reviewer. Well, I checked it right before we went live here, and guys, we're at 649. We're literally knocking on the door. So if you're listening right now and you haven't reviewed our show, just take a couple of seconds to share your review and you're going to be automatically entered in this free Bears jersey giveaway. And if it's just, you know, one of you out there, if just one of you does it, 
then we get to announce the jersey on our next episode, which will be right before 4th of July. So that feels pretty festive. So again, there's a lot of things that helps us. If you do leave the review, first of all, uh, this helps us reach more Bears fans just like us and just like you. And we're hopeful that racking up some more of these reviews can help us secure some solid sponsorships for the upcoming season. So please do if you haven't yet. And I'm very hopeful by this time next week, we'll have a jersey to give away and a winner selected. So good luck to everyone who has reviewed. And thank you so much for all the kind reviews that have came in over the past couple of weeks. Now, fellas, on top of this, I have one more thing before we actually jump into wide receivers. Any news worthy this week of talking about? I feel like I always want to make this a staple segment at the top of the show. To me, it's been a rather quiet week but mason have you heard anything worth discussing nothing too crazy uh one thing you know wide receivers are known for being divas uh we're fortunate that the bears don't really have any divas so i'm gonna take a second and pull out my inner diva and go on a mini rant why are the bears so secretive with all their information and highlights and things like that like i read this amazing article by the athletic that looked into the patriots and it literally documented piece by piece, what the quarterbacks were doing, who they threw to, completion percentages. You know, like the Bears were supposed to come out with that 1920 football drive documentary. I haven't seen an episode in like three weeks. Where is that? Why do we get one-minute clips like every two weeks? Like right now the Bears fans are in a frenzy for more more stuff. Give us more stuff. Just give us a little bit of insight into what is going on with the Bears, please. Just, yeah, you're right. I actually, you mentioned the 1920 football drive. And I was like, wait, I must have missed some t- episodes. And apparently I have not. Uh, so Chicago Bears media, get on it. Uh, Nick, I think the only thing I have on my list is news, more news about Eddie Goldman. He's been kind of in our mouth here the last few weeks, last few episodes. I've heard that he should be at camp uh, based off the reports that you see over online. Uh, but the Bears are surprised that they didn't see him during OTAs. Uh, hopefully he just shows up to camp in shape. Yeah, that, that'll be obviously a plus for someone that's missed out on a year of football. But from Bill Zimmerman, when he said he gridiron, I can tell you that he, he knows what he's talking about. Very reliable source. He will. Eddie Goldman will be at training camp. Only other thing that I have here is that Allen Robinson, speaking of wide receivers that we're going to talk about today, Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney have been seen on whatever social media was working out together. And that's that's what you like to see, especially because of these two guys and what they mean for this offense and this for this Bears team. So that's really it. It has been quiet, but I agree wholeheartedly with Mason. More stuff from the media. Just come on, let's let's get let's get with all every single other team in terms of putting that stuff out there, letting fans see it. They're just they're just stuck in their old ways and it's kinda kinda sad, honestly. There's only so many photos of rookies I can handle between mid-May and we're now at the almost end of June and I feel like that's that and the New Jersey numbers it's like the only thing outside that one episode of Football Drive that I've seen so I think we're all on the same train here I'm sure everyone listening feels the same Uh, before we jump into tier one uh, someone asked in the chat where should I leave this review Apple Podcasts uh, would be the place to go that's where we've been tracking these and this is really what when you talk to sponsors, those are the numbers that they care about right now. Uh, so even if that's not the app of choice and you have it on your phone, it's really worth your time for us if you can leave the review over on Apple Podcasts. But gentlemen, let's go ahead and jump into tier one, which I'm dubbing returning starters. And I want to begin this tier right. So let's go ahead and start with the franchise guy who's entering his fourth year in Chicago. He's coming off a 102-yard catch. 
1,250-yard season, and that's Allen Robinson. When you take a look at A-Rob, you'll see growth. He's a player that's gotten better each and every season that he's been a Chicago Bear. And the Bears, they've seen his numbers rise every year that he's been here. His volume has consistently increased. And at times, especially last year, it felt like the Bears' offense could only move through Allen Robinson. Despite playing with two quarterbacks last year, Robinson's 102 catches set a career high. His yards per reception took a nice step forward, up to 12.3 from 11.7 in 2019. And his 67.5 catch percentage set another personal best for the wideout. So Nick, I have an easy question to start things off. When you look back at last season, what was A-Rob doing well? What did you like? I think it's just how he approaches a position and doing the thing that he has to do is catch the ball. He doesn't drop him and any passes. Since he's been on the Bears, Will, he's only had six drops. That's 2018. So he's had years of just being a productive wide receiver and doing the most important thing at that position, making sure he secures a catch. And you saw that consistently in 2020, 2019. Whenever you look at A-Rob on the Bears, that's what he's always done. And what I just really love about his game and what you talked about each and every year he gets better is the detailed route running. And that's what you see a lot of the videos that he posts or whoever makes the videos for him. There was one video where he's not even catching a football. All you see him doing is running routes and just going through the details and nuances of what makes a good route runner. That's what Allen Robinson focuses on. So, and the other thing is just, obviously we were talking about divas and not divas. He's not one of them because he's showing up to training camp. Despite, you know, wanting that extension, He's going to do what's best for the team, what's best for him, and I think that's all what comes to be a professional, and that's what Allen Robinson showed ever since he's been on the Bears. Yeah, he's a consummate pro. Uh, there's no doubt about it, and I like that you mentioned the route running, and again, we've talked about A-Rob for years now, so there's not much we can say about his game uh, that maybe we haven't said before, but he doesn't have the most speed in the world, so the ability to run those routes you know, precisely, uh, the double moves to set up, that's what kind of helps him gain that separation. And when he doesn't have the separation, he has the ability to win those contested catches, amazing body control when he's up there in the air to you know, adjust to that football, to come down with it. And those are just some of the other intangibles that I love uh, from number 12 out there on the field. And when we look at Robinson, something that's been a theme throughout his entire career is the fact that he's really just never benefited from great quarterback play. He does He's never had like a top 10, top 5 guy, heck, maybe not even a top 15 type of quarterback throwing the football his way. You're looking at Blake Bortles, Mitchell Trubisky, Nick Foles, and... You know, I'm sure he's eager for Justin Fields' time, but most likely he's going to be paired with Andy Dalton on game days first. Dalton, when you look at his career, he's had the luxury of a wide receiver one, right? In Cincinnati, A.J. Green. And last year in Dallas, he had Amari Cooper. So you know he knows how to utilize a top-tier wideout. Mason, I'm curious, how well do you think Allen Robinson's going to mesh? I'm going to say both quarterbacks here just because we don't know who's starting, and I feel like we're going to see both at some time this season. So how do you think he's going to benefit from either guy? Like you said, the list goes Matt McGloin, Christian Hackenberg in college, Blake Bortles, Chad Henney, Mr. Bisky, Chase Daniels, and Nick Foles. Even the two that had Pro Bowl years with Blake Bortles and Mr. Bisky, that was more of a because their defense and team as a whole did well, so they got that consideration. Mitch was an alternate nod, right? Because enough people just were still in the playoffs, so he, you know, they couldn't be in the in it. It's he's one of those people that is so vastly underrated and simply needs someone that can get him the ball. Like you said, whether you're talking about Andy Dalton or you know, long term hope in Justin Fields, 
having someone competent enough to put the ball in a position that he can go make a play is going to be imperative. He actually ranked, if you look at average separation, which is the distance in yards measured between a wide receiver and the nearest defender at the time of completion or incompletion, 11th smallest amount of space. So he's operating in this tiny, tiny vacuum because defenders know they can't let him get open or else he's going to catch everything. But he's still putting up the numbers he was able to with, let's be honest, kind of incompetent quarterback play. So give him someone that can actually put the ball in an area that he can make that play. Some of those jump balls that maybe he didn't get in the end zone last year that people were kind of ragging on him for, things like that. He will come down with more of those and will have more sustainable success this following year. I like it, Mason. Nick, I have a tougher question for you. When you look back at Allen Robinson last year, I noticed he caught 74% of his catches against zone. Uh, in terms of targets, and then he only caught 61% of his targets when he was in going up against man coverage. Why do you think it was the case? Is it something that Robinson needs to work on, or was that, as Mason said, the inadequate quarterback play? I think it's a little of both, but actually, 2020, Will, there is one area where Allen Robinson can get better. In terms of contested catch percentage, since 2018, he's been really good. But 2020... He was actually down a couple of percentage points in terms of making the contested catch. He was at 45.1%, um, which is 14% lower than 59.1 contested catch percentage. So this is an area that Allen Robinson, he hasn't been that low since, well, in 2016, he had a 40% catch percentage. So there were times in the beginning of the season, Will, really those first six games where Allen Robinson was 8 of 22 on contested catches. That's where a lot of people were like, this guy wants to get his money. Remember the New York Giants game and the, just things like that where you're like, whoa, this is a guy that's supposed to be the, you know, this number one receiver. He can't win contested catches. That happened the first six games. But after that, you saw Allen Robinson really dramatically increase in that category because we know that he's that kind of receiver. But I think there were, like I said, those first six games where he was a little slow. He didn't, it wasn't a 50-50 ball. Brown Robinson was a 45.1% and whatever, you know, it equals out to, but that's where he finished the season on. So that's something that I want to see him get back to 2018. He was, uh, had a contested catch percentage of 59.3, his career best. And he's definitely capable of that. And if you give him better quarterback play, I think the ball will be in a more precise spot where Allen Robinson can use this, use his athleticism and just his body placement to come down with those catches. But that's one area I want to see him improve on. Mason, something that we saw last year was a dip in production in terms of the deep balls. Uh, in 2019, Robinson was the third most targeted deep ball receiver in the NFL. Last year, he dropped all the way to 19th in the league. Do you believe with either it be Dalton and Fields that we're going to see an uptick in those deep shots for Allen Robinson this year? Oh, absolutely. When you look at what Andy Dalton was able to do when he was on the Bengals, like you had mentioned A.J. Green, uh, that was a, definitely a big part of their offense was attacking deep and giving just their, his receivers a chance to go get the ball. Um, Henry, another uh, receiver that was on that team, but also benefited a lot from that. And you'll see the same thing out of Justin Fields. Uh, you look at some of those highlights, especially from you know uh, some of those big games that against Clemson and Alabama, he had some really nice shots downfield. Uh, so I would, they would talk about with Mitch that touchdown to checkdown mentality, and they've scrapped that. Now when you hear Matt Nagy talk, it's touchdown to touchdown mentality. And I think that's because he feels more confident in the quarterbacks he has that they're going to be able to actually do that. 
And there's actually an interesting stat. If you look at generally passes dropped by team, the Bears had 12 drop passes, which actually ranked as second fewest. But if you look at the teams that had more drops, that includes teams like the Chiefs at 25, the Buccaneers at 24. And a big part of that is simply because they were taking more shots downfield and attempting some of those more difficult passes. Yeah, it's really easy to only have 12 drops when you only throw the ball three to four yards and you gain one yard after the catch. Very solid point there, Mason. Nick, anything else on Allen Robinson that you wanted to mention in this show before we move on to our next guy? You know, the only thing, Will, and I think we've talked about this on previous podcasts, is like the red zone targets for Allen Robinson. We feel like they, he should get more. In 2020, he had 18 targets, seven receptions, 58 yards, and, and the four touchdowns, which is definitely what you want to see. But I think even with all the weapons that the Bears do have and, you know, sending players like we'll talk about in, in Darnell Mooney, I would still like to see Allen Robinson get, you know, a you don't want to say a majority of those targets, but a good handful should be looking to Allen Robs just because of what he's capable of as a route runner, how he can position his body in a spot that gives a quarterback, you know, an advantageous throwing window. He is that kind of guy. And again, that'll only help with the the cat the contested catch percentage, but red zone targets for 2021 for Allen Robinson, want to see it above those 18 targets that he had last season. Yeah, 18 attempts inside the 20 to the best player on your offense. It's not going to cut it yet again this season. So I like that point there, Mr. Moriano. I want to go ahead and move on to the second player who's entering year two of his young career, and that is wide receiver two, Darnell Mooney. We heard some real good things about this fifth-round pick last offseason from some people who covered Mooney in college. And at this time last year, we had some cautious optimism around the rookie wideout. But it's safe to say that Mooney blew everybody's expectations completely out of the water. Mooney had 61 catches for 631 yards and four touchdowns in his professional debut. And if memory serves me correctly, uh, there are a good chunk of missed opportunities where Mooney had his man beat, but he didn't get the throw needed to make those big time splash plays. So entering last season, we knew Mooney was going to bring some speed to the table, but I'm curious, and Mason, I'll go to you first. What did you learn about Mooney last season? What are some of those other qualities that you saw out of him that enabled him to blossom into that wide receiver two role? Well, first off, Mooney is a tough guy. I mean, you saw some of the hits that he took and the extra yards he'd fight for after the catch and some of the routes he ran. He's not the biggest guy in the world, and he was able to hold his own. Now, and he actually was second in the team in broken tackles behind David Montgomery with eight broken tackles pretty crazy for a receiver of his size also other teams really respected his speed he led the league in actually average cushion which is the distance in yards measured between the wide receiver and the defender at the snap of the ball that's a lot of respect for a rookie wide receiver and when you add all that together it adds for a potentially explosive individual now we know how his year ended last year which was with that injury to his ankle he needed to bulk up a little bit this offseason. Hopefully that was the case while being able so he could take some more of those hits and he can actually last a little longer this year. Nick, how about you? What did Mooney prove to you last year or was there any surprises to his game that maybe you didn't completely anticipate? You know, fifth round guy, we heard some good things, but again, he completely busted onto the scene. I think it's a football IQ, Will, because I didn't expect a fifth round draft pick to play as much and as frequently as he did in his rookie season, especially coming out of Tulane, we, I guess we temper expectations for these rookie wide receivers 
because of what Matt Nagy's system is supposed to entail. But outside of the first game, Will, he played 60% or more of the offensive snaps in every single game. It's only week one against Detroit where he didn't get that. But I think what you saw from Darnell Mooney is that the coaching staff really trusted him after that week one. I mean, look, you have other guys that you're going to implement the first game of the season, but since then, they trusted him everywhere. You saw him primarily line up out wide where he had 592 of his 781 snaps out wide, but you saw a lot of jet motion with him. He's moving around the field, and that's just, again, for a rookie wide receiver, a lot to handle in terms of the playbook and just knowing where he needs to be and how to run the route wherever he's on the field. But the coaching staff trusted him. And then the second part, when he runs routes, it's so detailed, especially on those double moves. The one where he got Jalen Ramsey on, which, you know, Bears fans took all, you know, on Twitter or going back and forth between the two. Like, that's a really good route for Darnell Mooney. And when he runs comeback routes, so precise of where the landmark he needs to plant on, the angle at which he needs to come back. And then you see, like, an oversailed throw by Mitchell Trubisky. And you're like, come on. The guy does everything right to give you a nice window, but yet you're overthrowing the football. So he showed so much in his rookie season that, you know, sophomore slump, is that going to be something that, you know, Darnell Mooney has? And maybe that's a question you have, Will, but he just showed so much potential. And if you add some good to adequate quarterback play, man, Darnell Mooney is just a weapon that you would love to have on your football team. He sure is, Nick. And when I look at Mooney's season, something I want to bring to the table that you haven't yet, and it's not even a route that he runs, it's his ability to be a big factor in the screen game uh, whether it be you know following his blockers having the patient or as Mason said he's one of the best at breaking tackles but also forcing guys to miss as well uh, he had the seventh highest amount of targets behind the line of scrimmage last year of all wide receivers but he had the third most yards after the catch on these plays 177 yards and he also had 10 total force missed tackles on these plays which led the entire NFL and I think you mentioned Mason. He was second on the team in broken tackles. Uh, the ability to make guys miss, he was in some great company when you compare him to some of the other wide receivers in the league. He had 17 force misses last year, which put him fourth. And he was behind Diggs, Hopkins, and Cup. Some pretty good company for a fifth-round pick in his rookie season. So that was something that when I noticed, I was like, dang, that's really ultra-impressive. And Nick, you mentioned sophomore slump. How does he avoid the sophomore slump? Is there anything that he can add to his game to become even more, I guess, dynamic? So that's a see. That's a question. Well, I was thinking, like, you're going to ask me something like this, but what can I tell you that Darnell Milne needs to improve? He had, again, he showed a good level of football IQ. When the ball was thrown his way, he caught it. So his drops were an issue. I think the only thing, but Mason kind of alluded to this, where DBs are giving him cushion. It's the guys that kind of press up on him, and that's where adding a little bit more weight will help in terms of getting off the line of scrimmage cleanly so that it doesn't disrupt the the timing of the route and things of that nature. But like Mason said, usually DBs are playing, you know, know, off of Darnell Mooney. But when the guys that are pressed up against him, I want to see him continue to work on it. One's going to be footwork, but also his hand placement and how to get these DBs off of him so that when he does release off the line of scrimmage, it's a clean release, and then it's not disrupting the timing of the quarterback and obviously Darnell Mooney. Sure. 
And when I look at Mooney's stats, one stat that alarmed me, although, Mason, I want you to maybe talk me down. I believe it's due to quarterback play, uh, but this is for you to determine, and it's all up to you. Uh, He only had four catches on throws that are 20 or more yards down the field. And out of those four catches, I think that was only 17% of his targets that he actually hauled in when he was targeted at least 20 yards down there, uh, which was one of the worst marks in the league last year. Is there anything that he can do better, or was that just really more on the quarterback play? I think, in my perspective, maybe just being a little bit more aggressive to come down with those contested catches, but there's just so many balls I remember either just getting sailed completely over his head or you know, 10 to 12 yards to either side of him that he just had no shot at. I would say it's a little combination of both, to be honest, but more so on that quarterback play. Like you said, there were just so many times where the ball just wasn't even in a position for him to truly make a play on it. Now, when you saw some of those deeper routes, they were a little bit more of the simpler ones, right? Just like a straight-up fade right down right down the sideline. I would like to see him run more, you know, you hate to hear this comparison too often because no one's going to be this player, but like Tyreek Hill-esque routes where, you know, there are more deep deep digs across the middle where he might run a 15 to 20 yard dig across um, some more of those post corners, things like that. Cause that's going to, since he's getting so much separation, that was going to really help him on some of those double moves that might be going across the field. And like Nick had said, adding some, a little bit more muscle bulk so that he can handle that kind of a play that is 2025 20, deep route that a safety is going to come down, make and try to make a pretty solid tackle on him and still make that catch. Really good stuff there, all of you. Let's go ahead and move on. We have one final wide receiver here in tier number one. So to round out this first tier, let's take some time to discuss Anthony Miller. Despite having a 49-catch, 485-yard season, there's some frustration surrounding the now fourth-year wideout. Miller just hasn't really developed the way the Bears and us Bears fans would have hoped for for a second-round pick. Uh, we all expected more than three catches for 30 yards per game uh, on average. And what really is more baffling or maybe just perhaps aggravating about Miller is that he does step up in those huge moments, whether it be like a touchdown catch like we saw week three uh, against the Falcons last year to clinch that game, or just a handful of those clutch third-down catches, the one-hand pluck, you know, things like that. But yet, he'll also have times where he just completely disappears. Uh, In fact, in the final four games last season, Miller averaged somewhere around two catches for 10 yards per game. And he didn't find the end zone the rest of the season after that week three game winner. So guys, we have a loaded second tier coming up. Uh, There's talk that the Bears were shopping Miller this offseason, but they didn't find an offer that they liked. So I'm curious, to start things off, Nick, I'll go to you. How hot is deceit for Miller because there are guys that we're going to talk about here next that are gunning for his job. Yeah, I think, Will, it's it's really hot for a guy that the Bears moved up to go get in 2018, has not been very productive, especially as of late in seasons. He has these spurs. He never really had that in 2020. And his best game, most productive game, came in week one against the Detroit Lions where he actually had more snaps than Darnell Mooney that game. I know he's a slot and Darnell Mooney's a wide receiver, but – that was his most productive game and just kind of going back and reviewing his film there's just so many there's so many ups and downs because I think he's a guy that's capable of creating separation I really do there's a play in that Detroit game where he it's a three receiver concept to the top of the screen and he runs a fade the the DB is falling backwards wide open easily could have had a touchdown but then there are also plays where you see in the all 22 where he's not getting the ball And you see this level of frustration, and we know that's been something that Anthony Miller has obviously dealt with and just, you know, playing with his emotions and, you know, 
hitting people in the face afterwards in in playoff games, right? So that's something that's also obviously really frustrating. But I do think, Will, that better quarterback play is going to especially help him out. And it kind of helps that a guy, Daz Newsom, got injured. And now this is Anthony Miller's spot until maybe later in the season. But he's a guy that I think still has a lot of potential. I'm surprised that there wasn't a team that – or again, the Bears didn't find someone suitable to make the trade. But I think that he does have potential to work in that slot to create separation, especially on in-breaking routes. He just has, again, a good level of route running to where he can create that separation and make the catch. But – He's just been somebody that hasn't exceeded or even met those expectations of a second-round pick, someone that you moved up to go get. But like I said, there's potential there. And I think Andy Dalton, combination Andy Dalton, Justin Fields can get the most out of him. I just wonder if it's too late. That's really the big question. It's it's just maddening. Uh, you look at Anthony Miller, you know, really big rookie season. Not a ton of yards, not a ton of catches, but he made the ones that counted. Like, I think he had six touchdowns that rookie year, and then he kind of disappeared that sophomore season, and then things were, you know, then kind of hit or miss. It's aggravating, because you can look at stretches of game where he's phenomenal. He's averaging, you know, 80 yards a game. He's taking over drives, and then there's just times where he's just totally missing in action. Uh, Mason, I'm curious, why do you think he struggled so much last season? We know he has skill. I'm just curious, like, why can't the Bears tap into it? From what we hear from reports, it's very much a mental thing. Uh, one thing that you loved out of Anthony Miller, and at least I know I did when he first got drafted, and you you know heard him talk, you watched him play some of the college highlights, was was just the confidence he had and that kind of swagger that he came with. But sometimes if that goes too far into hubris, and now all of a sudden you're thinking you're too good for the details, that's where you start to fall off. We just spent a little while talking about how L. Robinson is the master of the details, and he's honing his craft, not even actually catching a football, as Nick pointed out. It seems that Anthony Miller isn't really doing that, that he his route isn't as precise as it should be. It's floating to 12 yards instead of 10 yards, and therefore the spot is a little off. And let's not forget he did have the shoulder issues that – you know, didn't allow him to really be on the field as much as we hoped, get the practice reps as much as we hoped. And when you combine all those things together, it makes it very difficult to be able to be a wide receiver in the NFL. Uh, One thing that was very frustrating with Anthony Miller this last year, one stat in particular, his average yards after catch above expectation, which really just looks at a bunch of different factors, like how open the receiver is, how fast they're traveling, how many defenders or blockers are in space, et cetera, et cetera. He had a negative 0.7, which was tied for fourth worst in the entire NFL. So basically, he wasn't even really getting the yards after catch that he was supposed to be getting at all. Fun fact, the only person, one person that was slightly worse than him was Demir Bird, which we'll talk about later. But I I digress. (laughs) Can't wait to get uh, to that. Uh, I'll make sure I take my time uh, just for a, a little bit here. But that's a really interesting stat. It just it felt very real, like in terms of watching. It just, he catches that ball and he's going down to the turf rather quickly. Nick, what does Anthony Miller need to prove to you? I put as my question at camp. So when you get down there, and hopefully we can be in attendance, we're still getting all those details worked out. What can he prove to you or what should he? He needs to prove that he knows his playbook. It's it's about time that he knows it and is not having miscommunication with Andy Dalton. Look, that, that's going to happen, I think, because they're new quarterbacks, but it shouldn't be on Anthony Miller. 
he should know this playbook knows where he needs to be. Like Mason was saying, not float the route at 12 when it's supposed to be at 10. It's time to stop seeing those mental breakdowns that he's shown consistently throughout his career with the bears. And if we see that constantly happening in training camp, then you know that, look, this is not, it's not suited out for him here in Chicago, but that's what he needs to prove to me early on. Because I, like I said, I think he has all the physical talent. If his shoulder holds up, he's a capable wide receiver, but man, this is a guy, if he were just to spend, and look, I don't know how much time he spends in his playbook, but it just seems like it's not enough. And if he was just putting that extra little work in that side of the game, who knows what his career would be like right now. But that's what he needs to show to me at training camp. That's where it needs to say like, okay, yeah, it looks like Anthony Miller's right spot, Andy Dalton sailed the ball, whatever it may be. But that's what I want to see in 2021 for Miller, because if he doesn't show that, there are other guys on this roster I think can potentially take that spot. Right. Yeah. And it all goes back to honestly, Nagy's very first year here. He said this is an offense all about details. He wants guys that are obsessed with the details. And Anthony Miller hasn't really fit that mold all too well. And we've even heard a little bit more about it this offseason out of coach, where he's mentioning, you know, the ball's going to be at the right spot, the right time this year with the quarterbacks on this roster that maybe wasn't something in the past. So it's up to the receivers to be where they need to be because that ball. It's going to come out, and it's going to be there. We're going to see some more, I think, what we're hoping to see out of either Dalton or Fields or both this season, or some more of those anticipatory throws, throwing to a spot and making sure the guy gets there or just trusting that he will be there. I, As a quarterback, if I was playing for the Bears, I don't know if I would have trust that number 17 will be on his mark when he's supposed to be right now, and I think that's one of the bigger issues. So we'll see once we get to training camp in this preseason, really if Miller is going to be able to turn this thing around, but that's going to wrap up tier one before we enter tier two, Nick, last week we had a goose egg for shout outs. And I think we rebounded pretty nicely this time around. We definitely did. And thank you all to everybody who, you know, gave a donation. I'm going to read off all the names and, you know, I was pronouncing or practicing how to pronounce some of these names. Well, so you'll appreciate this. So first shout out goes to Steve Barnett. Then we have Colby Santana, who's from Maine. And then here's the one right here, Will. And I hope I get this right. Oh, I thought it was Steve. Corey. <laughs> yeah, how do you pronounce that Steve name? Um, here we go. Corey Delacuya, which is D-E-L-L, apostrophe A-Q-U-I-L-A. And I was like, look it up. How do you pronounce this? How do you pronounce this? Delacuya. And then we have Bo Etchinson, who likes listening to the podcast while cutting the grass, which is awesome because I think everyone needs to listen to a podcast while cutting the grass. But, yeah, we had a goose egg, like you said, Will, last week. Had four donations this week. So that was awesome to see. So what thank you mine? so much. To, and, oh, yes, you did say you had a paper one for life. Right, so you go right ahead. Handful. Well, mine comes from – it's not a name that's new. It's Queen Elizabeth from Lafayette, Indiana, back into the grind of, you know, giving us that monthly donation. So, Elizabeth, thank you so much for passing that over uh, via PayPal. Uh, I think PayPal, our link's a little screwy right now. So I think, Nick, you're going to give some clear directions for us on how to reach it, and we're going to work on coming up with a donation page on our website so that way things will be much easier here in the very short term. And, Will, you actually saying that reminded me because Steve reached out saying that the PayPal link didn't work. And so he made a Venmo account just to give us a donation. So, Steve... Thank you so much for doing that. And look, these donations go a long way in helping us out to, again, run this podcast the way we want to. And it also just shows us that we're doing things right here. And we want to continue doing that. And these donations 
can help us get you know the right equipment to do so. So if you want to get a shout out on the next podcast, and look, we have this countdown to camp series going on, you have a great opportunity to do so. So if you want to do it through Venmo, you can look up the username, the Chicago Audible. should see my name, Nicholas Moriano, and the Chicago Audible logo. And then the PayPal one, and you gotta put you gotta put this in exactly right. It's www.chicagoaudible.com slash PayPal. Again, www.chicagoaudible.com slash PayPal. But any donation helps us here, and we're really appreciative of all the people that sent in donations this week. Let's try to double it for, for next week to see what we can do there. But Venmo, it's at the Chicago Audible. And one last time for that PayPal one, www.chicagoaudible.com slash PayPal. Yeah, for some reason that www is being tricky. Did we ever find out if we needed to do the HTTPS colon slash slash too? I was able to get on the www, okay. but I mean, I, th- I don't know if it's hurt. on browser settings. Like it's, it's just PayPal is a little can be a little stingy in how you how you type it in but um try the https and maybe that works as well but I've, i got it to work on the www all right triple w for the paypal link thanks for everyone in advance and thanks again uh, to everyone who got their shout out here uh this weekend kudos nick uh, on the excellent pronunciation uh, of that last name that is escaping me right now but it sounded pretty phenomenal hopefully Corey della Quilia. And we'll see. Uh, you know, Corey, definitely let us know if, or let me know if I butchered that name. And you can just send me a direct message so you don't, you know, embarrass me over social media. But, yep, had to do it. All right. Let's jump into tier two, which I'm dubbing as new faces. And you know what? Let's go ahead and just start with the youngest player in this tier first. Why not? So I'm talking about the Bears rookie. And that is sixth round pick. Daz Newsom. Newsom brings some intriguing skills to the wide receiver room. Uh, he has solid hands, good speed, uh, actually had the same 40 time as Darnell Mooney uh, for comparison, and a decent amount of slot experience where he demonstrates a good ability to find soft spots in the zone and beat some coverage underneath. And I can recall during our draft reaction episode just how enamored we were watching his tough running after the catch. So let's go ahead and start with a medical update. Mason? Newsom suffered a broken collarbone earlier this month. He had to have surgery to repair it. Uh, based off the reports, we're looking at about an eight-week timetable, and he should be ready to go once camp comes, according to those reports. So I'm curious from your vantage point as a physical therapist, what does the recovery look like for Newsom, and how confident are you that he will be ready come camp, and do you have any reservations along the way? In the end, the collarbone is more or less designed to break actually it's one of those things where you'd rather that break than all than your neck breaks and now you're paralyzed you know from the chest down um so it really that's why it's designed the way it is a pretty thin bone right it has very little it's really just rotation at the shoulder and when that happens it heals pretty quickly you know bone healing six to eight weeks you get a solid callus on there he will be ready for training camp won't be full go plus nowadays training camp isn't necessarily the, what it used to be so it's not like he's going to be full contact or anything like that every once in a while it becomes something lingering you know we might think of for example like a, a tony romo right where he kept breaking his collarbone i believe it was three times even it was something that never really he kept him out of games but it never hurt him in the long run um, and the thing with that too is, you know, as a quarterback, he just kept having gigantic defensive linemen land on him and forcing his shoulder into the ground. Uh, he, Daz shouldn't really have that occur for him. So I wouldn't be as concerned with this. Um, so really 
the biggest issue would be more so the the hand him being actually in practice right during this time period he missed a couple days he missed some of those physical reps he had to only do mental reps that was probably the biggest issue for him but you know as we saw the bears had shortened their camp their mini camp down anyway so it wasn't like he missed too much time he'll be out there he's still going to be able to contribute week one Excellent to hear. I appreciate you sharing that there, Mason. Moving on to Newsom on the field, you know, at his time at North Carolina, he finished with 188 catches, over 2,400 yards, and 18 touchdowns. Nick, come this year, what do you want to see out of Newsom? Are you expecting any, and dare I call it, razzle-dazzle? Oh, there we go. Um, what am I expecting? Well, what I want to see from Daz Newsome is something that Anthony Miller hasn't shown, is that he has an understanding of the playbook. Because the last slot receiver that the Bears drafted obviously didn't have that. And this is the guy that I was alluding to earlier in the podcast about a replacement. And that can happen quicker if Daz Newsome knows exactly where he needs to be, the playbook, again, the details of the routes. That will get him the fastest way to get on the football field. So that's what I would like to see out of him as he's just kind of surveying practice or when he was uh, just from afar. Just, again, maybe asking those questions from the veteran guys and just seeing where he needs to be. Those kind of things right now can help him in the long run to really secure that spot. But I think what you saw out of North, his time in North Carolina, a lot of really good contact balance. So he's able to get those yards after catch. So when he's getting hit or trying to get wrapped up from defenders, He's staying up on his feet, looking for those yards after catch. The exact opposite of what Mason, the stat he alluded to about, you know, him and the yards after catch. Um, so that's something that will help Daz Newsom in the long run. But as long as he could show just, you know, an understanding of the playbook, that will be good for me because I know that, you know, expectations should be a little bit lower for a six-round draft pick. But you just saw what Darnell Mooney as a fifth-rounder did last year. But he can definitely help himself out if he knows his playbook. Good points there, Nick. And I don't know if you guys are hearing. I have a little storm passing through. So if you hear any rumbling uh, from my side, that's why I have a. That's why I like my microphone. It doesn't pick up a lot of external sounds. But just giving a warning that, yeah, yours does, Nick. You're absolutely right. It picks up everything in the house. Even uh, you know, if there's a mouse in your basement, I'm certain that we would hear it based off of your microphone. It's true. <laughs> but just letting you know, if you hear anything. If I run out of the room, last week we had tornado sirens, a lot of flooding here in Bloomington, so you just never know uh, this time of year, but I think it's just a solid storm uh, coming through. But Mason, getting back to business here, you know, Nick mentioned, you know, last year we saw Darnell Mooney, a that's that lightning, a, you know, a fifth-round pick, really kind of blossom onto the scene. I don't think it's fair to hold Daz Newsom to the same standard, but what kind of impact would you envision him potentially having you know, as a rookie, given the fact that he's primarily a slot guy uh, playing that, that's how he projects into the NFL. How do you look at his rookie season in terms of what he can contribute? So easiest thing right off the bat is special teams, right? He does slide right into that pump returner role. You would imagine that, that would be the case, especially with Tariq Cohen coming back from that ACL reconstruction. No reason to throw Tariq back there to, you know, potentially have something else happen. Uh, so right away, that's what he's going to do. But more so on the offensive side, you can really see him being that good second, third fiddle. I mean, that's kind of what happened in that last season in North Carolina. You know, Diami Brown, who was drafted by the Washington football team, was someone who was mocked to the Bears a lot in some of those, you know, third, fourth rounds. And every time I would look at his film, all of a sudden you see number five flash, number five flash, number five. And it's like, no, it's that's Daz Newsom. I mean, he had one less reception than Brown did. 
he just ended up having less yards than he did. It was about 1,099 for Brown and then 684 for Newsom. But he also ha- had six touchdowns. So he has a nose for the end zone, and he's okay, it seems like, being that second or third option. And that's all you really need him to be. You need him to play that slot, right, the crossing routes, things like that. And when hopefully Ellen Robinson is drawing some extra attention, Darnell Mooney has that safety over the top because they're terrified of that, of that speed that Daz Newsom can come in and get some of those easy receptions in the mid to sh- sorry short to mid range. Yeah, I mean that's really at his time at UNC. That's what he was known for, a guy that can be at the right spot at the right time. Again, that's something that Coach Nagy really wants out of his wide receivers in this offense. He proved he can do that, and he's someone that can continually damage defenses underneath. So if you do have a Robinson that's garnering double attention, you have Mooney on the outside as well that, like you said, they're afraid he's going to take the top off that defense. There's there's no excuse to not have a third option in this offense that can't carve up defenses. And unfortunately, Anthony Miller last year could not find that role for himself. So the hope is this season and with different quarterbacks, we can find that guy. I think they have a couple other players that they are hopeful, uh, you know, that could also do this that we'll talk about in just a minute. But before we do, Nick, one final question on Newsom. What's maybe your, just your biggest question mark on him entering this season? I think the big thing is just seeing how we adjust just to the NFL game. Obviously, he was open a lot in the middle of the field in college. Now there's going to be those linebackers sitting there if he runs a little bit too far, you know, off his mark, you're going to get laid out, whether it's by the middle linebacker or the safety. He also did have 11 drops at UNC in three seasons. So I think those are more focused drops more than, you know, having bad hands. So I think he, you know, he'll be fine in that that regard. But, you know, that's a good way to get yourself off the football field. You can't catch the ball right at – you run a precise route, and then you just drop the ball because of focus right at the very end there. So that's something that I want to see him not improve on, but just make sure he's capable of, you know, securing the catch whenever he gets thrown the ball. For sure. Let's go ahead and take a look at a couple of veterans here that the Bears signed this offseason. We have Marquise Goodwin, who is in his last two seasons that he's actually played uh, 20 games for 33 catches, uh, nearly 600 yards and five touchdowns. His last full season, though, uh, he had 56 catches for about 1,000 yards, averaged about 17.2 yards per catch. And we also have Demir Bird, uh, who's now in his sixth year in the NFL. He spent three seasons in Carolina. And then the last two years in New England and Arizona, where he had 79 catches, 965 yards, and two touchdowns, averaging about 12 yards per catch. Now, both these players do have one thing in common, and that is more speed. Both Goodwin and Bird bring 427 speed to the table. Guys, I feel like the Bears are trying to replace someone, uh, as I mentioned, but it's not Anthony Miller. When I look at both these signings, I feel like the Bears and Matt Nagy are trying to find that next Taylor Gabriel. And yes, Taylor Gabriel did have the same 427 speed. It's kind of weird that all three shared the same 40 time. But alas, uh, the Bears obviously want a veteran with speed that they've been missing since Gabriel left. Ted Ginn Jr. didn't really cut it last year in the first attempt, so now they're doing a little bit of a double dip to find that next player. And we'll choose who we think makes the final roster very shortly here in the show, but between these two players, I'm curious for both of you, who do you like the most, and maybe who are you the most excited to watch at camp and why? And Mason, I'll go to you first. I would say for me, it's Marquise Goodwin. Um, some of it is simply what I've seen from him already, and honestly, some of it is just who he is as a person and his story. Um, he's someone that actually opted out last year, 
And he, it, with everyone opting out, there is, you know, a lot of talk about, well, why are you doing that? Is it potentially selfish? You're not helping your team. But for him, it was something that was very near and dear to him. And, um, and this is a little excerpt that he had. It's a little long, but bear with me. I think it's very important for us to know this. Um, he said, I chose to opt out of playing the 2021 season this year, and here's why. Three years ago, I made a decision that affected my whole life. I chose to leave my wife at the hospital after prematurely giving birth to our first baby to play in a football game, and that unfortunately passed away. I felt like I had to prove to my coaches and new team that I was dedicated to winning, and I wouldn't let anything keep me from that goal, not even my family. A year later, he lost his twin boys, also prematurely. And so, unfortunately, in 2019, he was finally blessed with a baby girl. And she was the reason, ultimately, that he opted out of the season. You know, it was, he decided to put his family before football. And, you know, taking taking the football part out of it, that's the kind of person that I want on my team, right? That just that, that with that set of values. Now, if you bring football back into it, he's a super fast guy. <laughs> you know, he's blazing <laughs> speed. He, he, it's, he ended up, he had that 84-yard touchdown, you know, right after his child did, unfortunately, pass away. Um, but he has the ability to take the top off the defense. His catch rate is a little bit better than Taylor Gabriel's was. Um, you can look at that year off as either a chance to kind of, you know, add some more fuel back to the engine, or you could look at there's going to be a little bit of rust. But early Bears reports show that there's not that much rust. His name, besides maybe Cole Komets, is probably the one that you're hearing the most in terms of some of the receiving options really stepping up. Yeah, you really are. And he's, you know, staying active, uh, competing tomorrow, actually. So Friday, June 25th, to try and qualify for the long jump over at the Olympics uh, this summer. Do you guys expect, would that have an impact? I don't even know the current dates of the Olympics this year, but I feel like that ha- would have to interfere somehow, right? It would, because the Olympics run from July 30th to August 8th, and the long jump finals take place August 2nd. And so he would miss a portion of the training camp with that. Wow. Nick, how do you feel about that? Okay with it? I mean, it's the Olympics. <laughs> I think you have to be okay with it for, for, you know, what he's trying to do there and just the athlete that he is. But very similarly to what Mason said, I'm all in on Marquise Goodwin because of who he is as a person. And reading Colleen Kane from the Chicago Tribune had a great story on Marquise Goodwin. Uh, it's titled Chicago, especially for Bears wide receiver Marquise Goodwin. It's where a doctor helped his wife after and then – puts the ellipses there but i think it's it's just a great story and what also more so not actually on the playing field what he could do to a this wide receiver locker room i think for a guy like anthony miller who has you know issues on the playing field in terms of letting his emotions get the best of him man imagine having a marquise goodwin a guy that's kind of seen it all been through it all has that i think that wisdom and you can add that just for Anthony Miller, and maybe it's not good for him, you know, for the Bears, for a longevity standpoint, but for, for the rest of his career, that's something that I think has value. But really, when you look at Goodwin and, and Bird, they're both trying to fill that backup Z role to Darnell Mooney, which is what I kind of look at it, as that speedster guy that can take the top off the defense, very similar to what they thought was going to be with a Ted Ginn Jr. And we, we found out really early on that was not going to be the case. But that's what I think the Bears are kind of doing with these two guys in terms of having a guy that has that speed that could be a backup to now a emerging Darnell Mooney, but has a that veteran um, aspect to their game to where you don't have to really worry about them too much. The only thing when you look at these two guys, Goodwin, like you said, well, hasn't put a complete season back in until 2017 so it's been a little bit of time but his most productive game ever in his career 
came against the Green Bay Packers in 2018. He had four receptions, 126 yards, two touchdowns. So you already you already like him because of his story, and he torched the Green Bay Packers. So you like Marquise Goodwin. You do. You you absolutely do. Uh, I feel like we haven't talked enough about birds. So I'm going to keep that conversation rolling just a little bit. Nick, you mentioned uh, that the Z role, the backup Z may be that. Do you think that Bird, though, possesses the ability to be like a backup in the X, like for Allen Robinson as well? I felt like when I watched him in New England, he was playing, you know, on both sides of the formation, but primarily on uh, either outside. I think only about 9% of his snaps came in the slot last year. So I feel like he is someone that can be versatile enough that maybe like a hybrid between a Ted Ginn Jr. and you know, we have Javon Wims coming up here in a little bit, but obviously he's not the backup to Allen Robinson that the Bears are probably going to hang, you know, all their hats on. Yeah, so I think just to clarify, too, we have the X on the outside, the Z on the outside, and then how Matt Nagy terms it, the zebra, is like their slot receiver. So what Bird, he's definitely that Z because 839 of his 901 offensive snaps came out wide. So he's a guy that, you know, primarily is out that way. But I saw him run a couple of jet sweeps, a little end of rounds, or having that motion that's involved with that position, which you saw a lot from Darnell Mooney. So that's why I can see, and so did Marquise Goodwin. So that's why Mm -hmm. I can see that whoever it is, you could fit there as a backup role. The only thing, too, with both these guys, they had a a little bit of an issue with drops. Um, Marquise Goodwin... Uh, had four drops for four drops, which is 25% drop percentage. That was back in 2019 when he played. Then Bird had five drops last season, which was 9.6 drop percentage. So something that you would like to see improved from guys that have been in the league for a little bit now. But yeah, very, very similar type of players mm-hmm. playing that same position and looking for ultimately probably one that's available. Ooh, well, I, I'm excited to see how you're thinking this through here in just a little bit so we're gonna move on to tier three and nick i know you said javon wims maybe he's like a fringe tier two guy i want to talk about him and riley ridley together so i'm gonna shove him down to tier three for the the flow of this week's show so jumping into tier three which we're gonna dub as you know the rest uh we have rodney adams a 2017 fifth round pick for the vikings he spent time on the vikings and colts practice squads before signing with the bears last august and he spent the year on our practice squad then you have thomas ives aka the the current training camp hero uh, for the past few years on the roster yeah you know perennial practice squad kind of guy you have chris lacy a 2018 udfa he spent time in detroit new england and dallas before signing with the bears in may You have Khalil McClain, an undrafted free agent out of Troy, had six touchdowns last year on 32 catches and 383 yards. Then you have Riley Ridley, former fourth-round pick who has 10 career catches. Javon Wims, former seventh-round pick who has appeared in 33 games for the Bears and 28 career catches and one crucial drop. And then you have Jester Way, a 2018 UDFA out of Pitt who was on the Texans and Washington's practice squad before coming to the Bears. So between Wims and Ridley, uh, two players that we've been hoping to watch develop over the past couple of seasons, uh, the two only had 12 combined targets a year ago. For Wims, I feel like we've seen him just kind of plateau a little bit after progressing well for a seventh-round pick. And for Ridley, it feels like the Bears just can't seem to find a way to get him on the field. And for the 2018 fourth-round pick, 10 career catches, it's just severely underwhelming. Nick, I'll go to you. Are these two on perhaps borrowed time? And because 
in addition to the lack of offensive production, neither of these guys really provide the team with special teams value. Yeah, and I think you give the the nod to Javon Wims in terms of special teams value. It's a little bit, 13.2% for Javon Wims there. And he did get a a handful more of the the offensive snaps, 27% for Javon Wims compared to just 3% for Riley Ridley. Riley Ridley has played 10 games and has 10 career receptions. Like a reception for, so you know he's going to give you a reception per game. But like that's obviously not enough for a guy that, the Bears, you know, got in the fourth round. It just hasn't – he hasn't obviously shown the coaching staff that they can trust him, but I feel like it, it goes both ways too. The coaching staff maybe doesn't even know what it's doing with Riley Ridley in itself because I think he's better than what we've seen. We just – again, but it hasn't been much. And with Javon Wims, like there, there are some games where you're like, did you see that block in the outside? I think there were a couple good blocks in the Houston game where he freed up – also, was it Anthony Miller in, in um, one of the, the the night games? Like, you see these little small um, glimpses, and that's like the the dirty work that wide receivers have to do. And then you see him drop a, you know, a beautiful pass by Mitchell Trubisky in a playoff game, and then also punch another player. So you, you have all of this with Javon Wims, but the one thing I'll say about him, he primarily plays as an outside receiver, and if the Bears are looking for – backups like who would be technically Allen Robinson's backup at this point if he were to take a few snaps off as the X it's probably Javon Wims if you're looking at just the roster in itself because it's obviously not Riley really he doesn't play and Darnell Mooney plays the Z we're talking about Goodwin and Bird also being the Z Newsome and Miller are the zebra I think X is Wims and that's the only reason why I you know I lean to that's why I said Wims should be in maybe tier two because of that in itself. And But really his game and what he's done lately doesn't really determine him to be in tier two, but that's the only reason why. No, I understood it. It's just for the flow of the show, it just made sense to talk about him and Ridley together or else we'd be having another two-hour episode. And I, I didn't want to do that here this evening for all of us. Uh, I'm excited to do some over-under here soon. But Mason, what, where's your headspace on both of these guys? Are you kind of in Nick's kind of train of thought uh, with, you know, I think Ridley, we all can get on board that severely underwhelming. I, I don't know if you can call him a bust because he's like a fourth round pick, but he's not even playing up to, you know, standard uh, for that perhaps, especially when you look at Ryan Pace's track record uh, in that round. But I'm just curious where your headspace is in on uh, both these guys. Riley Ridley is just confusing. Because when he's targeted last year, there was uh, quarterbacks had 107.3 passer rating. He had four targets and four receptions. The year before, he had six receptions and seven targets. So he caught pretty much everything that was thrown to him. He just didn't get thrown to. Right. And is it like Nick said that he isn't getting the playbook and he just isn't playing well as you know good players play kind of a thing, or is it more ineptitude by the coaching staff like Matt Nagy saying like I know I need to run the ball and then he doesn't run the ball. I mean, like, does he have a, a decent receiver sitting there and just isn't using him? And when it comes to whims, you know, obviously we're not playing Madden. You can't just put the five receivers you just really like the most because they just it just doesn't fit, like Nick was saying too. You know, you do need a bigger receiver that can do the blocking. You do need one that's going to fit that X role because if you are going to talk about Bird and, and Goodwin, like, and Ridley, they all fit some kind of that same mold. So you do need some diversity within your receivers. And I feel like the last couple of years, it's kind of been whims because 
he's just been there. He's just been the guy that fits that mold, not necessarily that he was the best of, you know, the five or six receivers sitting there. But when it comes to him, I'm over him, to be completely honest. I'm, I'm over the whims experiment. I'm, when he – the punch in that game, sent, I'm done with you. Like, I have to be – I think you know he's I'm, – I'm telling you, he's not making my final roster. Because <laughs> that's just stupid. You're being stupid, right? I mean, like, they, they talked about how they – all the, the whole week talking about don't get in a tussle with him. You know this – that this player, you know, is going to rally you up. And you do something like that. I mean, you saw him out, too. You watched, like, what leads up to that punch. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even like it was the heat of the moment. Like, you just made a decision. Like, that's, I'm sorry, you're done. I'm done with you. <laughs> there we go. I, I like the straightforwardness that you approached that question with, Mason. Uh, out of this tier, uh, Mason, I'll go back to you first. Anyone else stand out to you that you want to watch at training camp? I feel like there are a couple names here that are intriguing. Uh, Khalil McLean is really interesting story out of Troy. Um he wasn't the most productive. He was a quarterback at a high school and actually was a backup at Tulane for a year before he changed positions. And he had 77 total catches and 13 of them were touchdowns. You know, and when you watch those touchdowns, a lot of them are the 50, 50 ball. And so we just talked about how kind of whims is this bigger guy that just, he got the role maybe because he just was the only one that fit. Maybe Khalil McLean could be someone that does this six foot four, two twenty two, Um, and, also, just a cool story. Um, he said recently, um, I know the platform I have now. Anyway, I can give back and help. That's what I'm good to do. As soon as I become a big name or whatever, it's going to be even bigger. I'm not going to stop. This is what I want to be doing. So he's someone that wants to give back. He's someone that wants to not only obviously just be a football player, but be a voice, someone that can give back. So he's just he's going to be really interesting. I like it. How about you, Nick? I'm going with Thomas Ives. I mean, we need somebody with those third stringers. Like, yeah, he is. Thomas Ives making plays against whatever DB it may be. Where's the Clifton Duck uh, of the secondary that we're going to see here? But we need somebody like that to rile up people at train camp. And, look, we're, we're pumped to just, if, if we're able to go and see plays and just see how the offense looking. But Thomas Ives, man, we need the Daniel Bravermans of the world. The uh, Why am I blanking on the – Dane Sansenbacher. Dane Sansenbacher. What a great last name. He caught a touchdown against the Saints. Remember, never forget that. I'm so pumped. Um, but no, I was thinking of the other. Uh, gosh. I know who other... you're talking about. He yes, was Tanner yes, Jedge. Yes. Everyone... Yeah. Oh, Tanner Jedge. Yeah, there we go. So we need those people of the world. And Thomas Ives fits that role. And yeah, so I'm going to be not rooting for him to make the roster because that's not not really in the in the you know really in the plans but to really have a good training camp that's what i'm really you know hoping for out of him yeah he gives you those good valuable reps go ahead mason oh i'm saying he uh went to hinsdale central uh helped bring his team to state back in 2000 something whatever that year was so you got a local connection there too so yeah tom sives all the way there you go I, i i've had a feeling that was a stretch all right, so let's go ahead and find out who makes the team. I have six. Mason? I also have six. Nick? I also have six. Okay. Uh, I'll go ahead and just start things off. I feel like I don't usually take this role. So I have Robinson, Mooney, Newsom, Goodwin, Miller, and I saw, I'm going to go with Bird. I think they brought both these veterans in for a reason. Uh, I feel like Riley Ridley and Javon Wims are going to get squeezed out. If I re- remember correctly, 
Ridley should still have practice squad eligibility if they still want to keep him around. So they don't have to technically let him completely go if he clears waivers. Um, but like Mason, I'm over the whims experiment. Uh, there's only so much room on a roster, and I feel like whims, even with the good blocking on the outside, and I, there's value there. But I think you can find more receiving value uh, if you go with some of these veterans that's been around the league who have proven to be someone that could be capable of larger roles, and they should allow the Bears to have some more, I think, versatility with their lineups or formations and having some guys take a breather without a huge drop-off. Uh, Allen Robinson, Darnell Mooney going off the field, not ideal, but I think you all know what I mean. But that's going to be my six. Mason, how about you? I have the same six with the last man on being Bird. Uh, I think that he's someone that was kind of underutilized. Like, if you look at him last year, I mean, he played with Cam Newton, who only threw 2,657 yards starting the whole year. And you compare that to Mitch, who threw for 2,055, and Foles, who threw for 1,800, respectively. So, like, you know, if he has a better quarterback, I think he's going to be able to do more. Bill Belichick spoke very highly of him, saying he's a smart kid that has good Mm -hmm. route running ability. Sounds like the opposite of maybe someone else we talked about. um, And has done a good job picking up the offense. He's been productive. Uh, The whims experiment's over. They brought them in for a reason. The rest of these guys that are in the tier three we've talked about, I just don't really think have necessarily the full-blown talent at this point to make the roster. And there's just needs other places too. So yeah, same six as well. Yeah, I just feel like, you know, with Bird, the fact that he had last season almost as, I think, what, as many catches that Wims has had in his career, I could probably even throw Ridley there and it'd be pretty darn close to combining those for their entire career just last season. So that's, again, I'm, I'm following the production trail here. And I think the Bears want as many receivers on this roster who can produce. Nick, do you have the same six or do you have a different six? I have a different six and I have Wims as a six guy instead of Bird. And I kind of showed my hand earlier. I just have it to where everybody has a backup that fits naturally in terms of the position they play. Robinson with Wims, Miller with Newsom, and then you have Mooney with Goodwin. So you have those same guys that can back up that same exact type of position, the X, Zebra, and Z. And that's why I have Wims making it. And I think really it's going to be a close one between Goodwin and Bird. Because I think right now, you see Bird has been more productive as of late. As for Goodwin, I think there's obviously we've seen what he's done, you know, a little bit ago and obviously great athlete and things like that. But in terms of production, Bird, I think, actually has more to show as of late. And that's it's show, what have you done lately, right, is what, you know, coaches are going to want to see from these guys. But training camp going to really determine whether it's Goodwin or Bird that gets that spot. But I do have whims over Bird like you guys had it. Okay, we will see how that all shakes out. If Goodwin has to miss a good chunk of training camp to go long jump at the Olympics, that can really make things complicated uh, for the Bears for an office. So we'll see. Uh, I guess we'll find out tomorrow if he qualifies or not. Uh, We'll keep our eyes and ears peeled. But let's jump into the final portion of our show. Let's do some predictions and play some over-under and all of that jazz. So to kick things off with some over-under I have my first over-under of the show, and it's going to be 105 catches for Allen Robinson, 102 uh, a year ago. However, we're hoping that there's some other receivers here that can kind of take the load off of Allen Robinson too. So there's a lot to kind of factor in. So 105 in terms of catches for A-Rob Mason. You going to take the over or under? 
Over. Uh, I We went through the list of quarterbacks that he's had throwing him the ball. It has been too dang long that Allen Robinson's been disrespected. Give him, put some respect on his name. Give him a quarterback that can get him the ball. Dalton and, you know, let's be real, it's Fields. Over. <laughs> over. On it. Nick, how about you? I'll go over as well. I think, look, the, the ball is going to be spread out a lot more, but I think the quarterback play is just going to be better. There's going to be more offensive opportunities as well for, for the Bears in 2021, so I'll go over. All right. The next one is with Allen Robinson yet again. Let's look at some scoring production. I'm setting the bar for eight touchdowns for Allen Robinson this season. Nick, over under. I'll go over. I talked about the targets in the red zone. That number should go up. And like I said with the opportunities, I think Allen Robinson needs to get those in 2021. And it goes back to quarterback play, man. So I think it's going to be over the eight as well. Mason? Over. I mean, he had six last year. And so a a bump up in two should be easy, considering that there should be more talents around him to pull some of that attention off. And then add in the fact that the passes should be, you know, actually in the stratosphere that, that he exists in instead of, you know, in totally off base. So, yeah, over. All right. Next, we're going to look at Darnell Mooney. 750 receiving yards and six touchdowns is my mark. He had 631 and four last year. Mason, you're going to take the over or under on both of those? I'll take the over on both of those. Just another year in the system. You know, at some point you got you're running out of touchdowns, <laughs> of course. But I feel like those two are going to be a pretty solid tandem there, uh, and maybe some of these other receivers are going to fill the yardage kind of between the twenties and and get you into the position you need to. So I'll go with over, Mr. Moriano. I have to go the over as well. I was trying to find ways. No, Mooney can't get those yards. Mooney can't. Get, yes, he can. He's definitely capable of it. And, you know, sophomore slump is obviously a thing. But I think he what he showed last year is a good indicator of how he's going to only improve in a year or two. Okay. Let's look at a rookie, Daz Newsom. What about 20 catches and two touchdowns for Daz? You can take the over or under on that, Nick. I like I like those numbers, so I'm gonna go over and I'll go twenty-five and three touchdowns. All right, Mason. Under, I think he's gonna get sixteen. I think we'll get the touchdowns, so he'll get the two, but I think he's gonna be under on the receptions. There's just a lot of mouths to feed now in this offense, in theory, if we think it's gonna be what it is. I would imagine there's gonna be a little more commitment to the run. Uh, we talked about in previous week how Cole Komet is emerging. At some point, you can only you know, throw the ball so many times in a game. I saw some games last year that Mitch was throwing over 50 plus. Same with Dalton down in Dallas. So you never know. Maybe we'll have an air raid yet again. Uh, What about Anthony Miller? How about 55 catches and five touchdowns? I'm going to be a little outlandish here. I think Nick's face speaks for itself. What are you going to take, Nick? I'm going under for Anthony Miller. Um, It's a big year for him. Huge year for him, but I don't think he gets those numbers. It's... A combination of, of a lot of things. I'm going to hold on uh, the analysis here, but I'm going to go under on those numbers. Mason? Under, I have him making the roster more so because he was a second-round pick you traded up for. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of us play fantasy football. By the way, reigning champ, still waiting on my shirt. Um, but we, you have that thing where you draft someone, you know, in the fifth round. For me, last year was Le'Veon Bell. He got hurt. He had all this stuff happen, and I just held on to him because, like, I drafted this guy. I, I can't cut him. And I think it's the same thing with the Bears. He's, I think he's just going to get phased out with some of these other guys coming in. Uh, they're going to – that happened – we saw that with Mooney. Like, they just appreciated the – 
the work ethic he had and just it showed on the field. So I just don't think he's going to get as many of the opportunities. Sure. I, I put a note down in my notepad about your shirt. Don't worry. Good <laughs> Perfect. Call. Thank you. Uh, bug me about it as much as you need uh, until it's in your uh, your mailbox. I have one more over under for us. It's going to be 30 catches that go for 25 or more yards in the air. The Bears only had 19 of those last season, so I'm bumping it up 11. Uh, let's see how you guys feel about it. Mason, you're going to take the over under. My my head wants to say under, but my heart, I'm going to go with it, is going to say over. At some point, you're going to get some explosiveness out of this offense. Uh, someone like a Marquise Goodwin isn't a good example of that. Like he just he screams productivity in in those long in those long plays. Over. Nick, I'll go over as well. I think Justin Fields has a big reason why he knows how to throw the deep ball, and there are guys that can get open. So I'll go over. Okay, let's play some true or false now. True or false? This will be Allen Robinson's final year in Chicago. Nick, is that true or is that false? That's a good question. That's what that is, Will. Uh-huh. Oh man, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go false. It's not his last year. Allen Robinson will be back some way, somehow. They get it figured out, and maybe that's me being hopeful because of just what the Bears have here. And with Justin Fields, you hope that a guy like that is back. But I'll go false. He will be back. Mason? False. Sometime in the offseason, him and Justin Fields are going to be sitting down at Chicago Cut. Fields is going to slap the contract and be like, hey, you got to roll it back, man. Come on. we got to do this thing together. There you go. I love it. Hopefully uh, that optimism is shared uh, throughout the whole entire Bears front office and they can find a way to finally get that done because I don't want to talk about it ever again on this podcast. It's been years, and it's just long overdue uh, for the man. So hopefully he gets paid sooner rather than later. So my next true or false, I have Anthony Miller makes a team and finishes as the third most productive wide receiver on the roster behind Mooney and Robinson. So see, third most productive. He doesn't need to have outlandish numbers. So I kind of softened it a bit. Does it help? Mason, is that true or false? False. Uh, I I feel like after the first two, you're going to have a kind of a drop off where it's going to be a lot more even between some of these other guys, and you'll end up having like you know Marquise Goodwin, Bird. They're they're all just vying for that third spot, and again Miller just kind of falls out of the conversation. Okay, Nick, how about yourself? I'll go with true third most you know productivity uh, from the wide receiver. I think that he's capable of doing. That's what he's done the past. You know, a couple of seasons being the third best option, and you'd rather him not. You you would like to have seen that be number two when he was drafted as in the second round, but I'll, I'll go with true on that one. Okay, uh, this one I'm going to make up on the spot though. I like this one. True or false? Marquise Goodwin, Daz Newsom, Bird, Wims, whoever the three bottom receivers are, will have more touchdowns combined than Jimmy Graham has total this season. Nick, true or false? I go false. Jimmy Graham is a touchdown machine. And those other guys, I think, again, it'll be split up. But Jimmy Graham will have one more. I don't know how much, but he'll have one more than all three of those guys. Okay. How about, how about you, Mason? I'll go true. I think Jimmy Graham was brought – he was almost retired. I mean, that came out, right, that he talked about retirement. And <laughs> I think his role is going to be kind of that – last year Jason Witten had where it's more about you know just doing the smart moves every once in a while Cole Komet apparently is you know doing amazing things in camp 
if anything, he's just kind of, you know, Cole Komet's corner guy. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that true that they're gonna outproduce him <laughs> uh, all right we got two fill in the blanks here uh so fill in the blank here the wide receiver with the most yak at the end of the year will be blank mason alan robinson pure volume and he actually said that this summer he wanted to really work on that like that he was working on his body to be able to get more yards after catch uh he's a guy that if he says he's gonna do it i think he's gonna do it how about you, Mason? Uh, sorry, Nick. <laughs> I was looking down at my screen. You, Mason, you want to go twice? <laughs> Answer hasn't changed, actually. It's still oh, Ellen Robinson. Okay. I apologize. Nick, you can go now. I'll go with Darnell Mooney. We already saw what he did his rookie season, breaking tackles, making people miss. And I think, again, as that Z role, maybe there'll be a little bit more opportunities where DBs are playing off of him. So even a, you know, a short little hitch route, he can potentially get those yards after catch where Allen Robinson – very close quarters he's playing with those DBs, and I think that Darnell Mooney will just have more opportunities. And don't forget about the screen game that I mentioned, how he was up there in the NFL in terms of yards after the catch on those types of plays. So that should only help. And my final fill-in-the-blank, outside of Allen Robinson, the quarterback's best friend in clutch situation, so red zone, third down, is going to be blank. Nick? Robinson no I'm just kidding uh it's gonna be <laughs> it down. has to be your yeah it has to be your number two guy which is now Darnell Mooney as we saw last season and the snap count really you know shows that he is taking that role as the number two guy outside of Allen Robinson it's not Anthony Miller you can't really rely on him so it's got to be Darnell Mooney what do you think Mason I almost did it backwards yet again <laughs> the fatigue is really setting in who do you think will be that second option on these plays I want to go contrary and say something else, but I can't. It's, it's, I think it's going to be Darnell Mooney. It's just it's laid right out there. Um, I think that the Bears are going to look a lot like some of these other teams that have just these two really dynamic receivers together, like how the Vikings were with Diggs and Thielen, and now it's become right. And now they switched that up this last year, um, but those two are just I feel like going to be the focal point with just help from the rest. All right, now let's get into our prediction segment and let's begin with our wide receiver bold predictions nick i'm gonna let you lead off first who is gonna what is going to be your bold prediction for the whiteouts so i have two here and the first one is by week 10 daz newsome will overtake anthony miller at the slot spot and you'll you'll tell by one the production and also by the snap counts that are being played so by week 10 that is now daz newsome's job anthony miller backseat on the bench like he was kind of leaning towards towards the end of the season and then the second one i mentioned earlier earlier about the contested catch percentage for Allen robinson 2020 was not the best year for him um but he will set a career high with 70 percent contested catch percentage and his career best in 2018 was 59.3 so when that ball is in the air it's Allen Robinson's 70, 30, you know, 70, 30. It's not 50, 50 anymore. So, and I think that helps with better quarterback play, but Allen Robinson, this is a, you know, obviously being franchise tagged, he's going to want to show out and get that money. And those contested catches are going to happen. So 70% he's going to finish this year. I like those. I like those a lot. Mason, what's going to be your bold prediction slash predictions if you have multiple? By December, Javon Wims is going to have his own boxing pay-per-view match, and we're going to love every second. But actually, um, Marquise Goodwin will score an 
at yard touchdown. At least. Ooh, I like it. At least. Yes, I, I want to give a little bit of room just in case he breaks off that 90. Um, number two, Daz Newsome will score six touchdowns this year. I had five for him for my bold prediction. Ooh, Funny me blew you out. Yep. Now I have to, I have multiple, so we're lucky <laughs> on my end. You always have to have backup bold predictions. That's one thing I've learned doing this show over the past few years. Uh, so my bold prediction, uh, I have Allen Robinson. is going to lead all wide receivers interceptions with 130. I want to be a great one to see. That's That would be a, a tremendous mark for him. And then my other one, Bears wide receivers will be top eight in the NFL in terms of yards after the catch. Uh, they were 22nd last year with 1,410. I think they can get over 1,900 yards after the catch this season, which will put them over in the top eight of the league. So with that, let's get into our confidence meters here. A lot of change, as we talked about, for this unit. Uh, a lot of, you know, the rookie, uh, Daz Newsome, the veterans, and Goodwin, and Bird. How does this all kind of factor into your confidence meters? Let's go to Mason first. How confident are you in the wide receiver room from top down? I I love this room. I really do. Um, the only blip for me is going to be is Anthony Miller right now in terms of the six that I predicted, just cause I'm not really sure what he's going to come in with. Um, in theory, he's already been, you know, back against the wall now for a little bit in terms of the comments coaches have made, but it hasn't clicked, but for the rest of them, we keep talking about it, but that improved quarterback play, I think has been such a limiting factor for, you know, Alan Robinson last year with Darnell Mooney, look at bird. I mean, he was in, Carolina for two years and then he had Cam Newton last year Uh, Marquise Goodwin has always been solid when healthy and he had that year off Uh, it's it's just a recipe for something very exciting I love this room I'm pretty confident in it I'm going to give it a 9.2 9.2 for the Bears wide receivers who would have thought that would have been the case even this time uh, a year ago I'm sitting at about an 8.9 I just didn't give it the 9 yet and the reason behind it, and it's not Robinson. I have all the confidence in the world in him. And it's not Darnell Mooney, because really the same can be said for this second-year pro. But it's all about the wide receiver three and down for me. Are they going to try to force-feed Miller? I, we don't know. We'll have to see how that kind of shakes out. And then even though Goodwin has had production in the past, does it translate to now, as Nick, you mentioned earlier in the show? And then does Bird, is he someone that can come to this offense and can pick it up? Or is it Bill Belichick talking up his players like Bill Belichick tends to do as you see guys that succeed in New England go elsewhere and don't? So that's my only slight reservation. And I'm still very excited about Daz Newsom, but how does that collarbone, that time away kind of interfere with his progression early on in his young career as we kind of get into camp? So those are just a few minor reservations, but still very high up there, sitting at an 8.9. And I can't wait to see what they can do and how they can produce because it should be fun to watch. Nick, how about you? How confident are you in the Bears' wide receivers? I'm going with a 9.3. So, Mason, I just changed it on the spot to get it, you know, a little ahead of you there. But I think when you look at this wide receiver room, as opposed to all the other positions that we talked about so far at with the depth, this one, ha- you have to feel the most confident in this one because there is somebody that, has had experience or is an up and comer that can play that role that maybe someone goes down or, you know, someone just needs a breather. I feel good with the guys that, you know, I have making for, for the, for the six guys that can potentially play there. And then when you talk about, you know, Robinson and Mooney, 
man, you have someone that can make those contested catches, such a nuanced route runner in Allen Robinson. Then you have a blazer on the other side. That's hard to defend. And I now teams are going to recognize that going into 2021, but those two guys I would love to have. And look, even Anthony Miller is a third option. He's a guy that has, like I said, has potential, but if he's the number three, you'll, you'll, I think you'll take that in a lot of wide receiver rooms. We know we want more out of him, but like I said, I think Daz Newsom could be a guy that could replace him. Then you have Goodwin and Bird that are veterans, and I have Goodwin being a guy that can supplement for Darnell Mooney when he needs a breather. So there's a lot to like with the versatility and just the guys that are currently going into training camp. But I'm giving it a 9.3. This is a deep, deep room and one that can be a very big part of why the Bears offense has success in 2021. Mason, any final thoughts before I wrap things up? You said, you said this a little earlier, Will, but think about the guys that were receivers when Mitch was first drafted. Just let that sink in. Okay, now that we've done that, I'm just excited. <laughs> Absolutely. We don't have, you know, oh, my goodness, you know, Tanner out there. Uh, who else was Kendall that? Wright. Yeah, Kendall Wright. Uh, the guy from Pittsburgh who paid a lot of money. But... Marcus Wheaton. Oh, that's mm-hmm. him. Ooh, what a name. Yeah, really. And again, we knew how much their receiver position was turned around from 2017 to 2018. And I feel like from the bottom side, we had the same kind of turnaround here this offseason, which I think is tremendous to see as a Bears fan. And I can't wait to see that potential get unlocked with some better quarterback play. But Nick, I'll give it to you for any final thoughts before we sign off. And I have to do this just because I'm annoying, but can't wait to watch Thomas Ives in training camp. That's how I'll close it out. <laughs> there we go. So that's going to do it for this episode. I want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, thanks for everyone who tuned in live here. It was a really great turnout in the chat. And just thanks for sharing your time to listen to us discuss some Bears football. Remember, we're just one review on Apple Podcasts away from giving away a free Bears jersey to one lucky listener. We love giving back to our audience to share our appreciation. So just take a moment if you can. That one review is going to help us reach more Bears fans like you and could lead to a future sponsorship for us. We'll be back next week with another preview, but we're going to be looking at more than one position. With the upcoming holiday weekend, we won't be breaking down any offensive or defensive position. Instead, we're going to take a hard look at the third phase. So who will be returning kicks now that Cordero Patterson is no longer a bear? What about punts? Would we want to be going back there after returning from injury or perhaps someone else? Who are those core special teamers on the roster? What's the impact of no Sherrick McManus on this roster for the first time in what feels like a lifetime? And what are expectations for Cairo Santos after a franchise record-setting season and his new contract? We'll discuss that and a whole lot more next time. But until then, bear down, Chicago. taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on that's nice at caskers.com we make this experience easy caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne 
Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. <laughs> 